Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, where we bring you weekly conversations with purpose-driven leaders. Our focus is to share meaningful conversations with purpose-driven people having a big social impact in our community. Our mission is to enable you to listen, connect, and grow. You can learn more at humansofpurpose.com.au. Welcome back to the podcast, and great to have you with us. Hope you're having a restful holiday break. And wishing you a happy Easter, Passover, or whatever uh, festival you may or may not celebrate. Today, I share with you a wonderful chat with good mate Joel Hanna, who is the founder at Big Little Brush, as well as a staff member at Zero. And Joel was last on the podcast uh, a lot, quite a while ago. It's episode 30, I think, in October 2017. So if you haven't uh, heard Joel's first episode with me, do check that out. Um, just head back. I'll put a link in the show notes to F30 so you can have a listen. That first episode with Joel will give you some really good background on all the wonderful things Joel does with both uh, Big Little Brush and at Zero. I do recommend having listened to that first. Also want to say a quick shout out and thank you to our new Patreon supporters for 2019. So a big thanks to McCartan, uh, to Joel F and to Stuart M. It's wonderful to have you three guys on board as uh, monthly supporters and uh, helping me to make the best possible Humans of Purpose podcast, uh, bringing you conversations with purpose-driven leaders on a weekly basis. So guys, thanks for your support. And if you too wanted to support the podcast, which I encourage you to do, just head to uh, www.patreon.com slash humans of purpose. And I will leave a link in the show notes that you can click through on and uh, do that. All right. Well, I'll leave you to enjoy the, the sweet musings and conversation with Joel Hanna. So big man, Joel, welcome back to the pod. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Good to be here. It's always that like awkward segue from when we talk before the podcast, yeah. and then I just hit the button, and then it's like, "Are we in the podcast?" I think we did a pretty good job of it then, though. Like <laughs> yeah. now we're in the we're serious and do that really meaningful purpose-based yeah. things. I liked our pre-conversation about whether back injuries are interesting. <laughs> I think the consensus was uh, they're interesting to me and you because we're old yeah. men with sore yeah. backs. We are like uh, old white dudes uh, with various problems. One of true. which is like so we had backs. Uh, the ethics of dogs or, or pets, which I really like. <laughs> the ethics like. of owning pets. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yep. The yep. potential jumping ship from iPhone to Android. That's a that's a very hot topic for me. I, uh, Where do we even start? Well, uh, let's talk about the iPhone thing. I really like my iPhone, but Apple seems to be like it owns me. I've invested a whole bunch of money in it, obviously, like into the You're product. in the ecosystem? I'm in the ecosystem. Um, and I used to be really concerned about the integration between – I'm not sure if this is great podcast content. Uh, good. I'm enjoying it. Good. Please good, continue. Good place to start. But yeah, like we used to have this, you know, counter argument for switching to, uh, like it, it's it works. It works with my Mac. It works with my iPad. Now I don't use an iPad. I just have my phone and my laptop, yeah. and it works pretty well. But it's also I don't know the the devices are becoming more fragile. Do you do the thing where like you get a text message on your phone, and it'll also go on your computer, and you I get do. double notifications, and it's yeah. like there's just heaps of ringing and buzzing. Yeah, like lots of lots of sounds. Yeah, yeah. too much input for my old man brain. But yeah, um, which is actually kind of good, right? That stuff is kind of helpful because you can be connected and, yeah. and whatever. But I'm pretty sure that exists now with any mobile platform. That you're, yeah. that you're running right. Doesn't do you roll with the watch as well or no watch? I did. And yeah. this is part of my, like, one of the, the challenges that I have yep. is that the tech is not very renewable or repairable. Yes. And so that to me feels like, I don't know, I don't want to over dramatize anything, but a, like a pretty poor ethical decision. Like the impact that um, you know, electronic production has, this is getting very serious very quickly. No, no, it's uh, good. On the environment and, you know, the places where those heavy metals come from and mm. kind of the ethics wrapped around those processes. So I had a, an Apple Watch. I was using it for running. Um, and I was training quite a lot and it was really good, but I dropped it and broke the screen yep. on it. And the replacement cost is the cost of an entire new watch. And oh I'm my like, God. Well, can't you, like, I contacted Apple, can yeah. you repair it? No, we don't repair, we just replace. So, anyway, you know, I think. Yeah, that is pretty wasteful. It's wasteful and it's a pretty, like, lame experience as a consumer. Yeah. But the bigger problem, like I'm happy to pay the money. It's actually more because I'm so wealthy and, and rich. <laughs> well, running an off-profit social enterprise, you, you, yeah. you knew what you were getting into. So. What, running a small business, <laughs> it's very, uh, very profitable experience. Mate, the cool companies, we know how they roll. <laughs> the cool up. Yes, yeah, the cool companies. Yes, very true. I we saw are. the rolls of cash in your, uh, on your horse. Mm. <laughs> My horse that I rolled up on. Uh, 
This tea is delicious. Mike served me a very tasty tea today. Uh, how about you? You're running an iPhone these days. I had the same issues as you. I when I was on the uh, had all the Apple um, ecosystem thing going on, yep. I made a call that I would not get another iPad. So yeah, I sold right. my iPad because yep. I thought the size of phones and computers is enough. Yep. I never had the watch. Yep. So I had the two things, and then I was like, I had the same question as you. Do we actually want more integration with our systems or yeah, do we want less? That's because, really good you know, question. all the stuff coming out about, you know, social media and its effects on mental health and yeah. connectedness and totally. maybe the value of disconnection yep. um, made me really not want to have those two things synced up. Yeah, and I think that's actually really, really wise yeah. being uh, self-aware enough to say that's not something that I necessarily want. So, um, yeah, I think uh, that's kind of been my challenge as well, a little bit of how do you disconnect if you um, you need to build some systems around that disconnect, I yeah. think, and then uh, interrupting those systems with really connected devices is kind of counterintuitive. Yeah, it's hard, but the, the ba- getting the balance right, like I think I think there was a big awakening like a few years ago when we realized that the app developers and the system developers' goal is to keep you on the system yeah, as long as possible. Yeah, keep you on the platform. Yeah. 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 So well, that became transparent. Yeah, yeah. so that, when that became an obvious thing and a lot of those papers came out and whatnot, yeah. then the game changed because we used to kind of think, I think maybe a bit naively, that all these experiences were just about creating great experiences. Yes. Yeah. No, they're about keeping you on the platform. Yeah. Have you found that that, that transition though? So you don't have an iPad anymore. Mm. You're running a. I've a, got a Pixel. You've got a Pixel and yeah. a smartwatch of some kind. Yeah. I just so the the reason I chose the Fitbit Ionic is because it doesn't connect up well to the Pixel. Got it. So it doesn't yeah. talk to the Pixel right. at all. So that's an really. intentional decision to keep those things separate. I don't want messages on my watch. Right. Uh, I don't want yep. any digital content other than my steps, mm-hmm. my heart rate and a few other things. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this is biometric and it's for the health monitoring stuff. Yep. But I didn't want something that would ping up my messages. Sure. Really like what I'm trying to get to is a place where my phone stays away for longer. Yeah, sure. And yep. I'm not on the screen right. uh, for, um, for excessive periods when I don't need to be. So single-use yeah. devices are probably better for that we're so, actually regressing a bit i think like yeah, if you think, think so. back to where we were maybe in the early 2000s before the um or maybe around the time of the ipod i you know iphone yeah it feels like the phone now does everything yes yep. the computer now pretty much does everything yes how many more of those things do we need on us totally yeah. And if we want to be disconnected from some of those everything yes then you know having tools that don't do everything are actually really helpful I actually met this uh really interesting business at the cool company awards interesting yep. segue uh and they make it's kind of like a, I wouldn't call it a dumb device, but it's like a really thin device that doesn't do a lot. A oh, yeah, there's a market for, for that now. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a mobile phone for kids and for people with like special needs, um, uh, particularly people with like uh, autism-related um, uh, situations uh, where it, it has like 10 phone numbers pre-programmed. It's got a, like a, an emergency contact number on the back and a, like a, a help me button on it. And that's all it does. And it's just like a beautiful tool. Give it to your kids. Give it to someone who doesn't need that entire connection. Yep. And great, great piece of gear. And they're super cheap too. Anyway, really cool. That's awesome. Let me ask you, I mean, as a parent um, of two wonderful children, mm. YouTube and sort of your kids and screen time, how do you mm-hmm. how do you manage that? It's really interesting. Um, uh, so my kids are actually pretty good at self-moderating that. And I don't think it's because like Lauren, my wife and I, like we're pretty intentional about um, uh, having some pretty good boundaries around those those kinds of things, um, but they just have more interesting things to do, yeah. I think. Whereas, you know, when we first discovered YouTube, it was just like this amazing thing that was new and novel and mm. pretty fascinating. For them, it's just another tool, I think, and another thing that's in their in their universe. Um, so, without that novelty <coughs> factor, that's the doggo. <laughs> doggo good boy. Uh, Cyril, he's beautiful. He's very cute. I think he's overrated. Cyril. <laughs> Yeah, another topic that we had was like, uh, you know, the ethics of dogs. <laughs> I love that you brought up that. I'm still struggling. Like, it's very like a deep existential question. It's like you know me, Mike. I don't yeah. really have much of a middle ground. Yeah, you you definitely don't store. roll generally with a surface banter. I roll straight down straight into, in. the, into the deep. Um, yeah, um, I derailed you. Get, jump back to the YouTube. Sorry, stuff. Sorry. Yeah. It's um. So you know, my kids will get uh, a little bit of screen time, but uh, often Isaac, my son, he's six. It's just obsessed with like Lego and making stuff at the moment. And I reckon that's got a lot to do with the stage that his brain is at in terms of development and um, uh, developing his creativity and and that kind of thing. Uh, YouTube is a very like lean back medium. Uh, And for them, like particularly for him, he's just really into like being interactive and hands-on. So I love that. uh, If he had the choice, he wouldn't, unless he's really knackered for some reason, which sometimes kids are, um, he wouldn't choose YouTube firstly. He'd choose something. 
something more like got these really cool little apps, and I wish we had them when we were kids. Yep. But uh, that teach you how to like the, the basic principles of coding. Oh my um, god! So he'd choose something like that over YouTube, but he'd also choose Lego over touching a device, which is such cool. a good side. Uh, yeah. Still, I remember whenever I took think about like learning and when does curiosity start? Mm. I think about when I was like a really young kid. I don't even know how old I was. Clearly, I was reading, yep. but not well. Not, yep. not, not like a Oscar Wilde kind of shit. Uh, <laughs> not like the esteemed basics, bookshelf that basics, you run these yeah. days. Pre-purpose. Um, and <laughs> my mum took me to this bookshop and she she showed me that there's there's used to be these books. It's probably around the era of like Encarta and Britannica. Oh, yeah. There are these books Good called time. the Collins Eyewitness series. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they were like you could choose a topic and there was a mix of pictures and text around whatever topic you could imagine. Amazing. So like knights. So like like a basic encyclopedia yeah. about knights. Of just that tab. Yeah, So, so right. it'd be like um, be like uh, – ancient Japanese samurai culture Dude. and there's like a 40-page illustrated written book where you just learn about that. Amazing. Yeah. And how good for kids because like that teaches you that there's diversity and yeah. there's bigger things than just whatever you can find like in your encyclopedia or whatever. That's amazing. It prepares yeah. you like to sort of think, you know, outside of your, your own immediate experience and like that um, learning lens. Mm. I think it's so valuable. Does it teach you, did you found it, find it, that kind of thing teaches you to spend more time on a topic rather than like tree topping. Because like Encyclopedia Britannica is great. Yeah. And you might use it. I remember using them for like school projects and stuff like yeah. that. I love thinking about CD-ROMs. Oh, it I makes do. me so happy. We're talking about Encarta 95 <laughs> the other day. Some friends of mine and I. Like, burning what? CDs for friends. Burning CD CDs. Burners. Yep. Yep. Yeah. CD burners. Ripping CDs. Yep. Ripping Napster. CD, the yeah. Napster age. Yep. It was the mixtape of the uh, late 90s. <laughs> <laughs> no I'll buy you a CD. Mate, imagine dating like now. Oh, you Make a playlist and have burning CDs. It'd be amazing. I'll just share with you my Spotify list via yeah. uh, Snapchat. I'll, I'll tweet it at you or they Snapchat. Know what platforms yep. to use. Yeah, it's exactly. Crazy. They're like, Facebook? What? What is Facebook? You old man. Old man river. <laughs> well, that's what I'm hearing is that like with the current generation, they, they're not using Facebook as much. Hmm. It's more like it's mainly Instagram. Yep. And if it's not Instagram, it's Snapchat or I don't even know what else the latest tech is. Yeah. Well, I... Um, <laughs> neither, neither do I. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, still talking about Encarta 95, <laughs> yeah, mate. You are, you are. <laughs> have you tried Reddit? Um, I have. Uh, so one what of the things I've feel about it. Yeah. One of the things I've learned about myself. Yeah. As I've gotten much older and much wiser. You haven't aged that much. We did this literally a year ago. No, this is true. But I knew it then, and I think I know it more <laughs> now. Is that I have? Uh, I, I kind of tend towards um, not obsession. It's probably a little bit strong, but I form ha- patterns and habits quite easily. Yeah. Which can be really good if I manage it well. But things like Reddit. There's another platform called Imager. What's Imager? It's spelled I-M-G. Is that the GIF one? It's it's like, it's the same kind of thing as Reddit, but it's yeah. more visually driven. And okay. it's kind of, instead of nested conversations, it's mm. like one thing, one idea, one image, one statement, whatever, and then a conversation under that. Oh, interesting. Um, and like, it's a really great way to lose 20 hours of your time. You know, <laughs> like, uh, so talking about wanting to be less connected to my phone. Yeah. Um, you know, somewhere along the way of, of being a professional and working in you know a grown-ups universe, uh, develop this idea that you need to be available to people all yeah. of the time. Yep. And there's yep. kind of this unwritten social contract that if someone wants to get a hold of me, I will have a device nearby that I can respond to them yep. on as quickly as possible. And people will assume also that you get um, push emails and notifications on everything. Exactly. So you're expected to like... So the old paradigm used to be that sending an email is a bit like sending a letter. Yes. Like a person will get it when yep. they open their inbox. When they're ready to, yeah. yeah. But yep. now because um, push notifications changed everything. So when you see and when you respond, it's like a whole different thinking. Yeah, yeah. And it's a whole like um, it becomes a – it's not like a practice to be in touch. It's like an expectation. You yep. know? Um, and so uh, I think – that compounded with this thing that can completely suck my attention and my energy if I wanted it to, things yep. like Reddit um, uh, and Imager and things of that nature. So you chose to veer away deliberately. I, I, I need to discipline myself not to. And yep. I need to, in fact, it's not even discipline, it's just building some tools and some yep. processes. Like, um, you know, when I get home, as much as possible, I try and plug my phone in in my bedroom uh, and then walk away from it so I can be present with my family and my kids instead yep. of, because it, it makes it much more difficult to like leave work behind. Yeah, or, there's, there's like great studies on that. Like, just the the art. Even if you have your phone on a table near you during a meeting, like you this. lose like yeah, yeah, well, yeah. But you do lose like a significant percentage. Yeah, there's of like it's, it's, yeah. A, it's a research topic, yep. right? Is it Doctor Doctor Jason Fox, the third space? He's um, the local guy. The, I think he's the third space guy. 
Uh, so the guy talks about building a third space into your life where mm. you can leave some stuff behind. So, um, you know, we have this, this habit of fanging our way home from work and getting home to our families or to our dogs or whatever it is yep. that's requiring our attention. Um, and we don't give ourselves any like transition time. So the, the theory behind this idea, the third space is that you build some space, some sort of habit, practice, mm. ritual. Transition between work transition, and home. Transition, totally. Yeah. So for I'm me, totally part down of that, for that. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what do you do? How do you manage that? I've got a couple of things I do. One thing I, there's a few things that I do that are quite immersive and perspective changing. Mm. One thing is I love role playing games on the PlayStation. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. like, I'll get a good PlayStation game that's open world, yep. play that for half an hour or 40 minutes. What are you running uh, these days? I was, was playing Horizon Zero Dawn for a while. Mm-hmm. Then I switched more recently. I don't actually, right now I'm playing God of War. Sick game. Sounds good. Um, yeah. But I've switched to FIFA because, um, my friends keep talking about <laughs> Big Drew Corby. Big Drew Corby. <laughs> big shout out to Drew. He's okay at FIFA from what Great at eating hamburgers. <laughs> big unit. Staying away from the carbs. Respect Drew. He's good. He's a Respect, good man. Respect. Love yeah. the Drew. Yeah. yeah so that, that's one thing. Mm. Um, walking. Uh, actually walking the dog and yeah. listening to a podcast is great. Yeah. Podcasts, if you find the right podcast for you, going deep on that can totally zone you out. Yeah. What are you listening to at the moment? Oh, mate, everything. Just like I'll either go deep on a topic. So mm-hmm. I like topic podcasts. Yep. Um, or I'll, I'll go deep on a person in conversation. Yep. So, so you know the, the usual classics. Yep. I love your sure. Sam Harris, your Joe Rogan, your Ezra Klein, these kind yep. of dudes. Yep. Um, but then there's, there's a number of great ones out there that are just a bit funnier or just more banter. So many good ones. Yeah. Reply All, Reply the Gimlet podcast is good. Um, um, the Fighter and the Kid is another one I've been into ooh, recently. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. The Fighter and the Kid. Yeah, yeah. What, I, what I do at the moment is I, I find stand-up comedians that I love and I listen to their podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Bert yeah. Kreischer, Bert Cast is great. Yeah. Um, Tom Segura, Your Mum's House is hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's really good. Nice. But I have to more get, recently, I have to write this down. I'm going to listen back yeah, to this podcast. Yeah, you should. Sure. Definitely I want, listen. I want to listen to them. Uh, you should definitely listen. Uh, but the other thing is like uh, making time for reading. So what, a big thing for sure, me is like, yep. how do I build reading into my day more? Got it. Yep. Um, so a good third space yep. is if it's decent weather, going outside and just mm. committing to reading 30 pages. Sure. Or something like that. Yeah. Wow. Um, yep. Once you've done that and if you like the book, it just changes everything. Yeah, and it becomes a bit of yeah. a, like a rolling practice. Hey, yep. like it's very, it's very repeatable and easy. And you start with yeah. like five pages, and then you're, all of a sudden you're reading a, you know, you got to make sure that you like the book, so it's not tedious. Yes. Yeah. But it's uh, as long as you're intrigued and interested. Do you read for pleasure and for I was going to say for pain? That's not the right word. But I for pleasure for and for like <laughs> I'm I a sadist. <laughs> I really like. I only it. read to torture myself. <laughs> <laughs> but like, do you read for pleasure and for? Learning, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think I really like self-improvement writing. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. it's excellent. Yep. It's helpful. So there's good always, stuff is good, right? Yeah, there's yeah. All, not the trash stuff, but there's always good stuff. There's so many behavioral scientists and great writers now writing about self-optimization. Mm. So I like that. I used to read a lot more of it. Now I try to push a bit more into fiction. Yeah, so I sure. had this rule that I wouldn't read fiction basically because I just prefer watching movies. Sure. Um, and was that like if I'm going to read, I'm going to make it, I'm yeah. going to leverage that time as best yeah. I can. And sure. make, make, learn some interesting stuff. But yeah, sure. now I try and do a mix of both. And I, I try so what and read... shifted? Tell me about that. Because I've actually had a similar similar experience recently. Yeah. Well, Not... I think it's a scarcity of time thing. I mean, like sure. when you think about what do you have time and can you put – but then it's also the effect. So reading fiction is a different feeling than reading um, nonfiction. Agree. They yep. say that um, if you want to know what happened, read nonfiction. If you want to know the why it happened, you read fiction. Sure. So read a story. Yeah. That so read a story. Yep. So um, I, I like that um, way of thinking about things. And I think that you can get a very interesting texture and um, like I laugh reading a good fiction. Yeah. I don't laugh reading nonfiction. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so it's, exactly it's sort of the difference yeah. between going really deep on a serious podcast and listening to banter. What, what are you looking for? Yeah, sure. Uh, yep. But reading fiction can take you on quite a journey that is a great um, break up, break, breaker upper of your day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally agree. Yeah. yeah. So I had an interesting or well, similar experience somewhat recently, which was I'd only try and read one book at a time. And I kind of flip flop between fiction and non-fiction so like very serious business related books i read you know good examples like the lean startup where yep. it's, it's it's very functional writing um, but do you feel like you have to read that stuff as well? Like, there's this pressure. That, like, uh, if you don't read these seminal books, you're kind of like you're missing. You don't know stuff. <laughs> there is a little bit people, of that. Hey. People in our space talk like, "Oh yeah, it's um, totally it's called, uh, startup thinking." Like, <laughs> Eric uh, <Reese> and Lynn <laughs> startup. That, that voice yeah, sounds yeah, very yeah, familiar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of. I feel pressure to read certain books. Yeah, I don't like that. I, I feel a little bit.
bit of the same, but I think the pressure exists because they're helpful tools. True. Right? It's like, why is a cliche a cliche? Because it's mm. true. Yeah. Um, why does everyone think the Lean Startup's a great piece of gear for you to get around or Good to Great, which I saw on your bookshelf or Built to I Last? Ju- I literally just bought that because I felt like I had to read it. Right. So Good to Great. So I've read, yeah. I haven't read Good to Great, but there's another one that's like specifically for purpose businesses. Yep. It's like a little monogram, I think he calls it. Um, it's an addition to, uh, it's about, I don't know, 50 pages or something. That's oh, an addendum to Good to Great? Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. It's like, it's the thing you wrote after. It's yeah, Jim no, Collins, I, saw, I saw that on the catalogue. I, I think, um, not yet, but yeah. potentially. So the right, like, it's good. And there yeah. was some stuff in there that I was like, these feel like fundamental tools that, you know, if not right now, one day I'll probably either consciously or unconsciously yeah. lean on. Good to Great's another one. I worked in a business where we, like, implemented all the Good to Great stuff when I was about 20. Yeah. And it was an amazing experience. Yeah, like, it actually cool. transformed the business from- Where was, was that? Where was that? Was it zero? Was uh, it wasn't zero. Yeah. This is a long time before zero. Yeah. Pre-zero. Pre-zero. A company called AFI Branding Solutions. Mm. Shout out to Glenn Watson, still a good friend, <laughs> good friend of mine. I love that you're doing shout outs. Yeah, Glenn. This is, welcome to my podcast. This is the shout out podcast. Um, no, so yeah, Glenn. Glenn's a really smart guy. Taught me a lot about- um, uh, a small business in general, yep. uh, about diligence, about being on time, about all the things. Do you he listens? He, he could listen. He probably he might chance. listen. Yeah. He, if he doesn't, he definitely should. Yep. Um, people who know him listen, so they should they should tell Glenn. <laughs> They'll to, definitely shout him out. Yeah, definitely get your iPhone out, Glenn, or you know, whichever, or maybe your Android, your Pixel, whichever you're running Mate, these days. No need for this partisan news. <laughs> We're a bipartisan podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I had this kind of rule that I would uh, – try and only read one book at a time and I realized that I was missing out on like this experience of joy that I feel like I used to get from TV but I feel like it, and like a TV series. Mm. Remember when Breaking Bad first came out? Yeah, that a, so it's hard to find sick TV series is like Breaking Bad. I feel like my standard is so high yeah, that, now. That, like, but that, that's the fault of the, that golden era of yes. the early 2000s television. Like, Sopranos, The yes, Wire. Yep, um, yep. They, don't, they just don't make stuff like that now. Yep. Like it's different. Mad Men, Mad Men. Cetera, different experience. Yeah. I mean, except for Game of Thrones, which is just epic, but that's finishing. Do not ruin it for me. I haven't watched an episode ever, oh, but I'm, I'm intending to. Good. It's on my list. You'll get what people say on the street now as normal language. Well, like, the cool winter kids is coming. Yeah. You'll, get, you'll get why people say that and then like laugh to themselves oh, so out not, loud. So that I just put my coat Winter on. Winter is actually coming. Like it the is, season is it's coming. coming very but soon. It's also yeah. coming in the show as well. <laughs> okay. and they're all worried about that. Okay. You'll, you'll just watch it. You'll Great. find Great. So out. you're ruining it for me already, all no, these spoilers. Well, it's obvious. It's okay. obvious. Okay. Right. Um, on to Life Matters. What's going on in your world with uh, both BLB and uh, other pursuits? Zero, yeah, sure. Et uh, plenty. Um, big little I love that it took 20 minutes to get into that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's normally how we start. I'm surprised we didn't spend another 30 minutes talking about the ethics of dogs. Yeah, the ethics of dogs is on hold for now. I want to come back to that. I want to explore that topic. Not finish with that company. <laughs> <laughs> I want to finish on a high note. Um, uh, Big Little Brush is good. So we've been in market about eighteen months now. Uh, you know, we're growing at a pretty like steady, steady rate that we're really comfortable with. Yep. Um, classic founder problem. You know, I want to be investing more time. Uh, I want to so more time, uh, and you know, I'd love to be growing at three hundred times the pace. But you know, you've got to be realistic about. Uh, how much time we're putting into it, uh, as well as like the you know the, the cash flow problem that every yep. small business has. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, but we've uh, the probably the most exciting thing is we've really strengthened and deepened our relationship with Red Dust, who are our program partner. Great. Um, they run a bunch of programs in the Northern Territory. I can hear Cyril out there. <laughs> he's what a girl. What a Look, at least he's not bite, biting your shoulder like that. That's true. I don't mind that. He's, he's a good boy. Um, they're all good dogs. They may not they, they may not have a right to exist, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> no, the dogs themselves have a right to exist. Don't get me started, Mark Davis. Um, uh, so, yeah, so Red Dust, they're awesome. Uh, we just made a commitment to supply them with about 2,000 toothbrushes over the awesome. next 12 months, um, and we're kicking that off like literally last week. I ordered the first round of those. Um, so, yeah, just like super stoked. Uh, it's really like it's a really satisfying feeling to mm. have had an objective and an idea of where we wanted to get to um, and we're there now. So, yeah. um, so do you feel successful? Like do you feel like you're achieving what you set out to achieve? I think I think on some levels, yeah, definitely. Um, but again, classic like I'm not sure if it's classic founder problem, but classic Joel problem mm. of I wish that we were doing more and I know that there's more to do. So um, what I'm kind of getting more interested in now is uh, what kind of relationships we can – because like – the, the work that I do in my day job at Zero uh, is really connected to small business. And, mm. um, uh, what I'm really interested in is how we can like connect organizations like Red Dust or Red Dust specifically, but like Red Dust to uh, like a bigger talent pool of yeah. people that can help them with stuff or um, or just you know a whole, whole new market of supporters mm. and donors and, and and stuff. So 
How do we go from having um, NGOs, not-for-profits, purpose-driven businesses over there and commercial enterprises over here yeah. and bring them into, you know, why can't they just live in a shared space? Let's create shared value, which yeah. is another topic for yeah. another day. Man. Well, that's, that's just like the uh, the made-up version of doing good stuff right? <laughs> for the it's, banks. It's a nice label for banks to put on it's their It's a very nice yeah. label. For guys like Big Drew called to be. <laughs> <laughs> Big Drew, shout out, much love. Big, yeah, one, much love, love, one, love. One, one love, one love. Uh, sure. Except not for your FIFA game, you're a rat. Um, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Moving right on. <laughs> Joel's going to spill his horse. <laughs> Not that we're competitive. Yeah. <laughs> what is this tea, Mark, that we're drinking? It's, it's called Pu'er. Pu'er. So Pu'er tea. Yep. Uh, hard to pronounce yep. uh, if you're not silly. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, as it was described to me as, oh, you shouldn't buy it because it's, um, it, it tastes like a wet horse. And I, I mean, I just think that's an interesting description because someone must have tasted a wet horse to, to say that. It, it tastes the way a, a wet horse smells. Yeah, it's it's how you would imagine a wet horse might mm. taste. Anyway, but I, I love like it. the smell of it's, like it's full of probiotics, yep. so it's very healthy. Where very does it come from? Um, probably a horse. <laughs> <laughs> deep deep in the uh, Himalayas. You're making it up. Yeah, I'm making it up. That's a lie. Probably China. (laughs) Probably comes from China. It's probably grown in China or Sri Lanka. What you said about um, joining together or the coming together of Mm. not-for-profits and business, I just spent a few days last week at the Fundraising Institute of Australia conference. Oh, they had this year. Yeah, I did they? They had a two-day conference, three days, and and for the first time they had streams, and one of the streams was corporate partnerships. Cool. So I spent most of my time in that stream and just found it such interesting conversations. Yeah, we've done a bit of work in this space, right? Like fostering partnerships between organizations. Yeah, I have, but um, I haven't done it actually. Like it's now an industry. So there are a lot of, if you go to big or even small ones, there's often a corporate partnerships manager Mm. or a community manager Mm. at the corporates. So mm. Corporates have a community manager. Yes. Not for, not for profits have a, a partnerships manager. Yes. And yeah. this is a whole industry. It's a whole thing. It's a whole scene. So, yeah. so the problem is that hard that we are employing people at the organization just to do that. Yeah. And it yeah. seems like every partnership has to have, you know, unlike immense value for both parties, mm. but, but sure, there has to be an easier way to do it because, you know, you just see all the time businesses that could gain so much from having that not-for-profit partnership, yeah. but they're just not for some y- reason. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think it's probably just we don't understand it enough yet yep. as a culture, yep. like, you know, as a corporate culture. Hey, Doggo. I think there's the, so there's the business case for it, which is actually really totally. clear. Like yep. The, yep. the case for a business to partner with a not-for-profit to address a particular social issue, mm. it's just it's just obvious. It, like there's there's the engagement, yep. employees, yep. retention, EVP, yep. uh, productivity, usually yep. NPS, yep. all that stuff is proven. Do you think that there's a like a, a, a concern? And I think I think I'm thinking yeah. out loud here that it can appear to be a little bit like I don't know whatever the the social equivalent of greenwashing. Yeah, is. purpose washing. Purpose washing, right? So like, uh, I actually think a bit disingenuous to, to shareholders or customers or whatever. Well, I ha- so I have first of all no doubt that some of it is. Mm-hmm. So some like surely there's some percentage of it that is like oh. Let's just do this because it makes us look good with that market. Yeah. Uh, but other people might say that's just clever mar- strategic marketing. <laughs> so it's like, how do you kind of, you know, where do you draw the line of yeah. purpose washing? So, yeah. that, so I think authentic partnerships very important. Yeah. Um, why is that? Why does it need to be authentic? Well, there needs to be a line of sight because if if we are a type of, just say we're a, um, just well, I'm trying to think of an example. Okay, so Oscar Hunt. Multinational Oscar software. Hunt. Let's do Oscar yeah, Hunt. That's sure. a great yeah. example. Yeah, yeah, great. So Oscar yeah. Hunt. When I started out with them, the first things that they said, I said to Chris, the, the, the manager, the director there, you know, what are the things that you and your team are concerned about? So that it was obvious. So it was homelessness in the mm-hmm. CBD mm-hmm. because every day on the way to work, they were um, buying coffees for the homeless people around the, um, yeah. the centre. And it's a hot topic, I guess, or a hot It's obvious for them. In, They're in, in the Melbourne city doing prestige yeah. boutique suits and stuff. Yeah. Um, what can they do to help local people who need opportunities? It's obvious, right. obvious, yeah. obvious alignment. Yeah. The other thing they're concerned about is diversity and sort of like promoting diverse uh, voices in both um, – you know, both sexuality and gender diversity in cool. print media and publications. Yep. So there were two things. The more obvious thing for us to work on together was probably the homelessness mm-hmm. in the CBD. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, authentic- one of those things is a social activity, one Correct. Of the governance question. Yeah, yeah. And one may also be like um, probably lends itself more to the creative uh, whims of the management team rather than an external consultant. I understand. So they can yep. craft something up that they're more, you know, bespoke and comfortable sure. with. Yeah. From our perspective, it was like, um, I mean, it was such a staff-driven thing and it came from the voices of the staff mm. and the owner mm. of the business. Mm. So that authenticity grounded it, made it really easy to tell the story around that. Right. Yeah. And to, to build a relationship, when you bring the two organisations together, when they came together with Lighthouse to address that, um, 
it's two humans coming together at the end of the day. Sure, with a shared objective yeah. and some kind of idea and they of can what both, shared value looks like. Both equal good b- bullshit detectors. Yeah, so, gotcha. so yeah. to build a strong yeah. relationship, yeah. you actually need both parties to have that authenticity. Yeah, right. and that's why good partnerships work, I think, and bad ones just don't. Yeah, sure. So um, it takes a bit of vulnerability as well, right? Yeah, it, like, it takes I'm the vulnerability. Tell you what I care about and if you yep. don't agree. Yeah. Can we work together to build something that will mm. benefit both parties? Mm. There's actually like What's interesting to me is that there's a lot more to partnerships than just dunking two similar-looking organisations together. Yeah, there's yeah. the there's the sort of building of trust. Mm-hmm. There's the setting of expectations. There's the contractual stuff. Mm-hmm. There's the do we really understand what our partner wants? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's that's like so the complexity there is like human complexity. Yes, in a way, yeah. people are very organisations a lot more complex than people. Yes, um, yeah. So it's like, can you sort of see? where each other are going and help each other get there. Yeah, right. So yeah. this is the space that I'm quite interested yeah. in, right, because I feel like um, it's, it's almost we, we have this corporate environment where these big businesses exist um, and we have these not-for-profit organizations. Those are things that already exist. What mm-hmm. would be amazing mm-hmm. is if every corporate business was in and of itself a business that did good and yeah. thought ethically and did yeah. all the right things. Which, which actually I, I believe will more and more be the case. I totally Like agree. there's definitely an uplift in the amount of businesses classifying themselves as socially yeah. conscious Absolutely. or purpose-driven or yeah. B Corps. Yep. Like that is all happening. I suppose the question is like, why isn't there more direct engagement? But look, there is some, like oh. you talk to not-for-profits, they are doing stuff with businesses, but, yep. Yep. you know, how good can they get at that? And can they get good enough where we're making, we're actually moving the needle on real social problems? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a fair question. Yeah. So what do you think it takes to, because this is something I'm super interested in, yeah. right? And um, uh, we're starting to do a bit of this stuff at zero, which is to think about um, what is our corporate social responsibility yep. um, and how are we going to go and execute mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. in the market? Um, and pulling out, I think, all of the levers, which are uh, we have a great brand, mm. That we can use to, to leverage and then to you know, use as a platform to do something amazing yep. on top of. Um, but also there's commercial benefit to yep. our organization mm-hmm. for, for doing stuff. Um, but I think more than anything, uh, there's a lot of good to be done. There's a lot of purpose to be executed. Yeah. But what impact that you can have yep. as, a, at a, 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 as a business of our size and our influence. So I'm interested in your opinion on what you think it takes to um, build programs and build a, the right muscle in the yeah. organization particularly you know we're two and a half thousand people globally mm. um, and growing rapidly um so is that your portfolio now i wish it was no yeah. so, it's, so you got it's, someone new to do that yeah so we have a we have a really amazing uh woman whose name is Anne. Uh, yeah she uh asher i'm always going to pronounce her surname correctly <laughs> i'm not going to try because she'll tell me off um, csr director uh essentially yeah, yep. yeah so she's doing some work um it's not a, it's not a directorship role but yep. manager um, yeah she's she's doing some some execution some thinking about um, like what is it that we're going to do yeah. and she's more kind of coordinating stuff because we have a bunch of programs well, yeah. not formal programs but stuff that's happening in the business well that's the first thing is a scan of what you're already doing totally then there's yep. a scan I think there's a few important parts there's a strategic scan mm. so what is Zero's direction yep. and who, who are your key stakeholders yep. the stakeholder mapping and intention stuff and the mm. future directions yep um, there's the internal knowledge of where the strategy is taking you currently in your business yep. and what markets you'll be in and you won't be in yep. then there's the thinking about what do our people care about? Mm. And that's the stuff that I think most places don't do well. It's yeah. like, it's like we'll just offer up a suite of six programs that's, that the, that the CEO happens, and, the, yeah. and the staff seem to enjoy yeah. and we'll see who enrolls. Yeah, and that's, that feels like potentially problematic to me. Yeah, it's very problematic. So a better way to do it would be to put together some kind of uh, survey or focus group, mm-hmm. go around the organisation and just figure out what what. Do people already donate to charity? Yeah, if so, sure. which charities? Yep. You know, what are the key areas? Civic, um, arts. What do they care about? Yeah. Um, if, if we were to offer, uh, you know, one to three days off per year for your volunteering, what would you do? Would you, yeah, would, sure. would you actually? First, would you take that? Yeah. Uh, and where would you go? Yeah. Um, so, so it's actually not hard. It's just figuring out what do people actually want and what would inspire them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that part. Um, that's really important is getting the, the social license to do that by yeah, going sure. to your people first. Yeah, sure. Like don't let it be dictated by brand alignment too much at the start. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a later problem. That makes a lot of sense actually. So actually like it being of the people, for the people, yeah. by the people. Yeah, yeah do, like do, do it for the people, by the people, of the people. And then I think you've got um, so much goodwill out of that anyway um, that – 
you know, it doesn't matter who you choose really or yeah. they choose yeah. Yeah. Um, or what you do because people are a lot more engaged. Yeah. They love that you're helping their, what they care about. That makes a lot and of you sense. You craft it out of that, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting space. So, yeah, yeah I think it's a, it's a... It's the same space actually that, you know, when we first met, you hit me up about. You are yeah. like, hey, man, let's have a coffee. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like, let's, let's have a chat about this thing. Yeah, yeah and it's been something that... Um, you know, we've known each other for a couple of years now. Yeah. That Zero's been pondering and thinking about and working on in different ways. What's really interesting to me is like there's just a lot of stuff happening in the organization already and I think it's it's very driven by the people. Like there are all these yeah. natural little programs and the challenge is that you know, getting sponsorship for them or, yeah. um, becomes really difficult when they're not aligned to a strategy. I'm using air quotes here yes. to a strategy. Yeah. Um, because you have just like a splotch, splotch, splotch of all different kinds totally. of things. Yeah. And it's people like, uh, you know, getting their manager's approval to go and spend a day or half a day teaching the local school kids yep. how to write cokes with a software yep. business. Or, but um, you, you can just, I mean, it, if you can literally make a policy that says it's our, here's our staff volunteering policy. Totally. Um, yep. Here are the areas that we encourage volunteering in. Mm. Um, all you need to do is get them to sign this form. Yes. Um, yep. or, or it's just you know, approval process. Yep. Yep. Um, if yes, then, um, then whatever. Go make it yeah, happen. Make yeah. It, then it's up to you to get the forms on their end. Yeah. Um, God be with you. Enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. Sp- spread good cheer on behalf of the organisation. Just go and smile and high five. That's go right. Shake some hands and yeah. kiss some babies. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. right. The thing that's kind of struck me is that there seems to be a reluctance to even get started just in case we want to change our minds. Yeah, it's, it's fear. I think that's fear-driven. It's fear, fear control, isn't it? Yeah, but, but it's – so this is like the classic um, situation, like – is it safer to not start at all and yeah. just stay static from yeah. the balcony? Yeah. Uh, or, or should we jump and in, pivot. start, yeah. and then just be transparent and honest? Yeah. Think about Eric Reese and the startup thinking yeah. mindset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah what would he do? He would just jump in the sandpit, get dirty, yeah. and uh, yeah. iterate, rapidly iterate. I always find myself asking, like, what would Richard Branson have done? <laughs> um, probably started a record company. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's, it's just he would have reached around in his environment, found a yeah. tool that he could use and then gotten started. You know, it's yeah. what good entrepreneurs I actually think, I think everyone's, so this is what I think is interesting about the space. Everyone seems to be trying to create the tool to solve everything. Yes. Doesn't need a yes. tool. Yes. Need, needs needs need people. Yep. Needs yep. people and the right mindset yes. and the right yep. ideas. Yep. So yep. There, there ain't no tool, I don't think, that's going to be like, oh, just plug in kind of what your organization is, what you're interested in, will tender you some charities. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's got to yeah. be. It's a nice idea. Yeah. Um, but I think it needs to be a little bit more, a little bit deeper than that. And I was almost going to say more like strategically driven. Yeah. But I don't think it's that. I think it's a, it's culturally driven. Like yeah. you need to have a culture that is you know, encouraging and accepting of those things. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But that's what, you know, I think consultants are there to take you on that journey and process to help guide you in that. Or, you know, you've got someone appointed there yeah. from the outside. They will take, they should take the stakeholders on the journey to get a lot of that done. Totally. Um, yeah. So, you know, here are the steps in sort of deciding what our strategy is going to be. Yep. Here's who we need to speak to. Um, you know, what other companies are doing this kind of thing well or have done a recent refresh. Yeah. Um, I think starting is the hardest thing. Yeah, I agree. Should we move to the ethics of dogs? Let's talk about the ethics of dogs. <laughs> Tell me, say how long have you had Cyril? A year. A year. He's beautiful. He guy. actually had his first birthday last week, what and did you my do mum, my mum bought him a meatloaf cake, <laughs> <laughs> and we ate it for Friday. Well, he ate it with um, his brother and um, cousin at, uh, at um, Friday night dinner. I love it. And yeah. so he has recently had a haircut too. He's had a shave down. Yep. Yep. So like I, I've had dogs growing up. Yep. And, um, you know, we had a cat until not so long ago. What, what is the ethics of dogs question? That's like interesting I, framing. So like I, I, for a really long time, I've really wanted a dog. Yep. It's been something we've been talking about in my household. You know, I've got two young kids. My son Isaac is six. He's not a big dog fan. My daughter Sunday, she's three. Um, uh, she really likes dogs. Yep. Uh, my wife Lauren's pretty pro dogs as well, and she had dogs as a kid. Um, so we've been talking about for a little while, uh, maybe we should get a dog. We'll go to the RSPCA, see what they got, yep. and we'll bring a dog. Uh, a rescue dog situation. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah. That's no, the ethical I, way to do it. Well, I think there's like there's there's the obvious like ethical choice, right? So, um, I don't know enough about dog breeding to know what's good practice and what's not, and you know what what yeah, what, and that's con- time, that's contested not. as well. So it's totally, like, totally, it's like one of those murky spaces where like yeah, I think most people will probably say don't go to a puppy uh, puppy farm. Yeah, like, get it from like you know a licensed breeder. Exactly. Um, yeah. Some people will say you should not get crossbreeds because they're like all messed up and yeah. Other people say you should only get crossbreeds, yeah, yeah, yeah. etc. So like that's a space I don't know enough about. Yep. The, the obvious like ethical choice, at least f- for me with my knowledge, is to go to the RSPCA and yeah. get a rescue dog. I think that is like the really good thing to do. And like yeah. especially if you don't want to or haven't done the research and all that, 
Yeah. Just go and pick one up. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, you can totally. train them. Like, yeah. You can train they're, them. They're all pretty decent. The right one, you've got to be smart about what yeah. you get for your household and stuff. But uh, this is, I do this with everything. Like I, I like to, I don't like to, I almost feel like I have no choice but to ask every existential question from every existential angle that I could yep. about a decision like that. So we had a cat. Um, his name was Nelson. Oh, that was my old dog's name. Was it really? It's amazing. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, so it's a great a, name for a pet. He's a great, he was great. He was beautiful. Um, Lauren and I got him when we were sort of newly married and um, uh, he was nine when we had to uh, unfortunately give him away. Yeah. Um, but essentially he uh, developed a bit of cat anxiety. Oh, really? Because um, uh, we had two young kids and yep. kids don't really know how to cat properly. Oh, um, so they were like grabbing the cat and throwing well, it. And- not, not really. Like yep. they weren't ever aggressive towards me. Yep. But anyhow, so we ended up having to, to take the cat to, um, uh, to the RSPCA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked to a bunch of people and they're like, well, you can, you know, you, if he's got anxiety, you can get medicated for that. And yeah. I was kind of like, that's a, that's a possibility, but who's that decision really for? Like, yeah. I'm medicating the cat for my benefit and for the <laughs> yeah. benefit of my family. Yeah. That's like, that doesn't consider the cat's needs or wants or desires or the way, what I feel like cats are designed yeah. to do, which is not be medicated yeah. and like sleep all day, yeah. to sleep most of the day and hunt birds and stuff like that. And in the area that I live, you're not actually allowed to leave your cats out. They have to live inside 24 hours a day because really? there's so much native bush and stuff around really? there. So the, like the local council rule is you can't sustain inside. Anyhow, this got me on this, this tangential track yeah. of like, so, but what about a dog though? Is a dog any different? Yeah. What's the council rule on dogs? Sure, you can't have a dog inside all the time. Can't have a dog inside all the time. So yeah. you, you're allowed to let your dog out, but your dog yeah. won't jump the fence and hunt all the local parrots like a cat yes. will. Because um, uh, there's these beautiful like rosellas and yeah. like magpies and all sorts of beautiful bird life in, in my part of the world. Um, but it just got me on the same like tangent of, so I keep the dog in my house. I feed it when I feel like I want to feed it. I train it to do the things that. And it's it's a very deep existential over well, the top question. Yeah, and this is like you see this like with pets and their owners. Like, how much are you supposed to train it or let it just be a dog be, to let it be a dog? Because it's a dog. It's not. It's not like um. It's not a it's, tamagotchi. It yeah, yeah, it wasn't invented to be like a human robot. Yeah, this is not a role playing game on the PlayStation. Correct. You know? like, it'd be good if it was. But yeah, it's it'd be not. good if it was, but it, but it's not. So like he's he's a and I think he's a very happy dog. Yeah, and you seem like a very good dog parent. Look, we have a great time together, but like he is naughty as fuck <laughs> times and I just cop it because I think he's hilarious yeah. and he's great company and he's great company he's like, he's like dogs have real personality you know? yes. like he, yeah. he's got his own personality he does yeah. I should probably be harder on him but I'm sure nah, this delightful. will be similar to my parent, like my parenting skills if I have kids yes you know? yeah yeah totally he's, he, he's absolutely delightful and I think um, yeah so the, the, the questions for me were like firstly really practical ones um, is it sensible to bring a dog into a house that, um, uh, you know, it has two children in it? And yeah. Who's going to clean up? And a history of cat anxiety. And so it has a history of cat anxiety. Ask the dog whether it consents to that kind of environment. You exactly. Know? The dog can't tell me if it consents yeah. to Yeah. So maybe I'm like overplaying the sentience of a dog. I, I, no, cat, I, I, but, love, I love what you were saying before about like whether, like the cat anxiety question, there's like interesting human parallels there between like children and like yeah. to medicate. You know, like yeah. the, the child medication rate is just it's off the charts. Stunningly high. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So again, I'm not a medical professional, yeah. right? but but it's, it it kind of makes me just think. Um, I haven't yet been able to settle where I f- how I feel and what a dog is for me, yeah, and whose needs it really meets. I feel like you've got a really great sense yeah. of that. Cyril's a great companion, yeah. And like, he's well, a- so Cyril, like, um, as you, I'm not sure if you know, but so I sprung him as a surprise on Louise. Yes, I did know and that. And she, yeah. she was, um, she, she was, been yeah, she was not thrilled for all of about oh, really? um, a few yeah. minutes, and yeah. then she fell in love with him, and it was fine. Yeah, look, look at that little cutie. But a good thing about him was like, because we commute and she's in Geelong a lot of the yes, time, yes. Um, he's great company for me. Yes. So yeah, there is yeah. a bit of a selfish thing in it. Totally. But that's um, okay, like to name that yeah. and for that to be the, the reality. But for me, it was like, well, I still haven't been able to work out what is my desire to have a dog. Yeah. I almost feel like it's like... It's you know what it's like? You know what you'll... Like your whole family will have a common point of relating to something. Yes. Like in, in a way, like yep. having a dog, um, even, even the way like Louise and I talk, like... I caught her up today and I'm like, hey, um, Cyril's got a new thing he enjoys doing. And then we just talk about that for five minutes. <laughs> and, and it's like, but, yeah. but you, all of your family members and you yeah. can have a, a like, your own conversations about that. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Like, yeah this is the kind of thing that I have These to These are the fringe benefits. Yeah. Like, it's not an immediate, it's not an obvious, yeah, it's not an obvious benefit, but it's a benefit. Yeah. So those are the kind of questions that I haven't yet settled for me and for my family and whatever. 
Yeah. But you know, like it's funny because you can choose a breed that kind of mirrors what you want. Yeah, or, like it's it's very creepy all that stuff. But, you but know, you, smart you, though. Yeah, you know what traits you're getting in a dog. So you yeah. know, like when we got him, like we you know we knew he'd be very intelligent. Yes, we yep. knew he'd be good, so, like sociable, good social skills. Yep, we knew he wouldn't shed. So I mean, you select for all that stuff. Yeah, and I think that's yeah. actually really smart. Yeah. Like, um, you know, some people have dogs in there, like their houses are covered in dog. Yeah. Yours is not. Yours is very pleasant. It's yeah. very well decorated, very nice. Yeah, well, so that's the Louise's choice is that. She said he has to be half poodle so he doesn't shed because right. she doesn't want a doggy house. Yeah. So how did you surprise her with it? Tell me about that. Um, so I booked us a weekend away in Hillsville. Yeah. Um, and I said that we're just going to go in, like we've never done that before, but I said, oh, we'll go and relax in Hillsville. Beautiful. I chose it because it's half an hour from where the breeders are. Yeah, um, right. And so I thought, just pop in on the way back. Yeah, yeah, so I just said, oh, so what I did – is I booked us to go to a winery lunch on the day that was even closer to the breeders right. on the way back. Yeah. And so I was just like, oh, let's go for a drive. She didn't know where we were, so yep. just driving towards the breeders. Beautiful. And yep. um, the best part of the whole thing was that Google Maps, of course, um, instead of telling me uh, where to go directly, it had me cutting through someone else's private property. <laughs> <laughs> so just imagine that um, it's Louise and I. Oh, we got terrific. The, we got the roof down uh, and the, in the car we're driving – I just, I just think, oh, it's fine. Google Maps says we can go. We're going. It's fine. It's we're, we're driving down some dude's driveway, and then he starts. We, we see in the in the rear mirror some guy honking and like, like screaming. Get off my property. Yeah, so we got approached by this big, um, like rancher kind of dude who comes dude. up. He's like, "What the hell are you doing, mate?" <laughs> <laughs> All this kind of go stuff. Go buy a tiny dog. I promise. Yeah, I think he felt sorry for me. I explained that. I, I like explained that we were lost and yeah. it was a Google Maps situation. You were trying to like rob his phone. No, we were not. Yeah, so yeah. he reluctantly like he let us. Like tuck a sheep in the boot. He didn't citizens family. arrest us or anything, which is good. <laughs> he let us continue on our way. And then, um, yeah, yeah dro- got to the place and um, Louise, she sees like there's little dogs running around everywhere on the farm. And I, love um, I think she was tipped off then and then we walked in and sort of said, that one's ours. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It was like nice. such a fun period. Yeah. Yeah, but now you have this, like, that's a beautiful story. and like It's, it's a nice story. Yeah. I actually knew that it would work on her because she had a similar story like that about her dad giving away a dog to, like, another family. Oh, really? So I knew that she'd be into it. Like, yeah, I knew it wouldn't right. piss her off too much. Sure. So I took a nice punt surprise. on her past behavioral history. <laughs> smart. See, profiling, profiling and selection. Yeah, profiling. Very, very smart. Yeah. Um, so that's dog ethics covered. Basically, my <laughs> my conclusion is uh, you should get a dog. Yeah, that's what I And don't overthink it. Good, good point. Too much? It's like a habit that I have. Yeah. So, the, yeah, you're going to add a lot to your family fabric and quality of life, so that's what you want. He is beautiful. This, it's yeah, so nice. Cute. And, like, he's it's cute. something about um, the energy of having another being in the house. You yeah. know? He's very funny. Like, if I can tell you a few of his habits yes. and just make Dude. you laugh at us. So he's decided today that um, he prefer. he used to put the window down yep. and he'd stick his head out and get the breeze. <laughs> So he's in the just, car. Yeah. He's, he's discovered that air conditioning is more cooling. Oh, so best. now he's switched to putting his head just in front of the air conditioning Amazing. vents. Are you going to tell me he switches it on? To oh, no. So he does that. Next, That's cute. Yep. Other thing is he's got this um, little bin in my room where all his toys are kept. So when he comes to bed at night, he, he sleeps next to me in the bed. Nice. He chooses a toy that he wants and he brings it in the bed. <laughs> It's like having a little yeah, kid. It's like a little kid. One that doesn't argue about <laughs> yeah, anything. Yeah. Yeah. He, he eats whenever he wants. He doesn't give a fuck about like eating rules. Really? Yeah. Like the rules don't apply. Okay. I'll hear, what, I'll hear him diet? munching uh, biscuits in the corridor at like 12.30. Like <laughs> <laughs> midnight is eating. whatever he feels like. Yeah, whatever he's he eats. He's a rogue. He's a rogue. Yeah. He's a lone wolf like his dad. <laughs> what, is, um, what, does he, what does he eat? Does he eat wet food as well? Dry food. Dry food. Yeah. So this like the other thing about like it's like the same as humans. Like there's fanatics on every side. Yeah. Which is your food? You're like, oh, more food only. <laughs> vegan. <laughs> vegan Have dog. you seen the vegan cat movement? I have. Oh my god! Dog. Look up vegan cat. Okay, you'll good. love it. Great. That's. Uh, I'm sure there's some sound science there. Oh, somewhere. some some science. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so so that's a, that's a fairly comprehensive catch up. Anything else on your mind? Any other um, big ethical quandaries? We I want to know more about you, Mike. What's what's happening for you, and like what's what's coming up? Podcast is very good. I've You're had asking. some very good episodes recently. Yeah, the episode with Louise was fantastic. Yeah, she's she's really a cracker. She's she she's surprised me because I actually going into that episode wasn't sure how she'd go, but she handled it very very professional, very yes. well spoken, good guys banter, were very very cute. Yeah, like, and good banter, but it felt like a really like um, very. 
loving, respectful conversation. Have you ever interviewed your wife before? Um, only in jest, and she doesn't like yeah, it. Yeah, it's <laughs> 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 certainly like an interesting experience where you're blurring those lines of like, uh, yeah. you want to banter and uh, be kind of condescending and cute, but you also yeah. don't want to offend anyone you know indirectly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we had like, um, yeah, that was a good chat. Um, what to tell you about the podcast? Yeah, so things are going well. We've got some interesting guests coming up. Yeah. Getting to that stage where sometimes, and this is my favourite, people have heard of the podcast before I invite them on or yeah, they, and, they, and they listen cool. to it. Yeah. So that's happening a bit more, which is a really good sign. Yeah, We're getting more people time. who actively already listen to the show on the show. Yep, that's awesome. So that's cool. We, You know, we had our live podcast with Matt Wicking recently that was good. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I actually haven't had a chance to catch that episode yet. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. fun. Uh, it was like testing out that format again and we've got the Nat Kiriaku one coming up in a few weeks. Awesome. Another live pod. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah, so live pods are still an experiment very much and still, you know, struggling to stabilise numbers and get that of course, you know, all supply and demand stuff sure. right. But it seems to be a good format because you love doing it, right? And I think yeah. that's attractive to an audience. Yeah, and- I want to bring something new. So I think like with this sort of stuff, it'd be very easy for me to not do them and mm. to just podcast from here yeah. where I'm comfortable. Yep. And that is fun. But what I realised is um, we can create really powerful and useful social connectivity from doing it with an audience. Totally. So there's yeah. like this fringe benefit again for the audience Correct. of attending a thing and networking. And so I came to the drinks, obviously, yeah. Yeah, 100th episode drinks. That was awesome. The drinks are a no-brainer. So we can run them and like they get really well attended. Yeah. Um, there's no real, you know, like it's just a good crowd that yeah. comes each time. Yeah. It's a great yeah. crowd of people. Yeah. The podcast is like, can you um, create the same digital engagement and interest but why would you need to limit that to them listening alone? Yes. Like, wouldn't it be better if they could have that shared experience together yeah. and, you know, ask yep. questions together and, yep. you know, um, become part of the content? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, actually. And, yeah. like, as a punter, very yeah. attractive. I get that. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. playing with that, and you saw the beautiful artwork coming by Loz Green. I did. It's so great. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, my, I've got a big blank wall in my garden at home. I think I might hit her up to. Get it a mural for yeah, you. She's awesome. If Check her out on Instagram. Is that where she's from? Loz, yeah, Loz I think Green. she's Loz Green or something like Two that. Z's, L-O-Z-Z Green. Yep. Yep. She's from Janjuk and she's done a beautiful big 2.4 by 1.2 Humans of Purpose so mural for me for yeah. the podcast room. Mm. That's quite and, um, large, 2.4. It's massive. Yeah, it's at least uh, – no, it's not double me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How, how, I don't know how tall I am. How tall are you? You're probably uh, like one of you. 185 centimetres. It's like one Joel Vanna. <laughs> <laughs> it's like half a Drew Corby. If, if it's half one a Drew Corby, he's, a, he's, a, he's got that big Drew energy. Yeah, it's massive. If I put cereal on my shoulders, I think it's about that. Yeah, so, he's licking the sole of my shoe. Yeah, like, he loves it. He, lo- he loves you. Uh, what yeah. about business life and what are you doing with yourself day to day? Business life is good. Yep. Uh, busy with task force community agency a couple yep. of days a week. Yep. Um, purposeful it's not quite peak consulting season yet so yep. still just yep. doing the occasional gigs here and there yep um, got any speaking gigs coming up speaking gigs I'm at Rotary uh, nice. I think in a couple of weeks time doing yeah. a gig for them which yep. is going to be great that's awesome what a cool um, organisation oh, have you been to one of the, any of the things before no I've not really are yep. great I went to my first one uh, recently I'll invite you from now on because um, I'm hooked in there yep. and I will say that the first one was by a, um, a corporate social responsibility consultant to mm-hmm. uh, Regis which is the biggest uh, the biggest their accommodation right like yeah their aged stuff. care so yep. they're oh, right. second yeah, biggest yeah. aged care in Australia he was fantastic awesome uh, Dr. Kaushik something he yep. was really good yep. so yeah I'll invite you along to that I'm going to actually be talking about the future of work which is uh, for me a topic that I'm Fascinated by yeah, and something you're really passionate about, right? When we um, first met, it was something that yeah. we were talking about a lot of. The through line of the topic is basically to be to ask: Is work working? Ooh. Yeah. And what's your opinion? I'm going to be arguing in the negative. Okay, sure. <laughs> right. So it's a debate format, is it? No, I'm just going to argue <laughs> in the negative. Yeah, it's just my opinion, and nobody will silence me. Sure, no. I might come and argue in the affirmative. No, I'm going to be presenting some um, interesting statistics about how work is failing us mm. uh, in our economy. Interesting. And how we need to reshape work to really um, optimise uh, the lives of people and organisations in Australia. Got it. Awesome. So um, I'll be using some good material for that. There'll mm. be. Um, yeah, the guy who spoke last I thought was excellent, but I think I'm going to try and go a bit more TED on this one. Mm. Like most of my talks, I go very systems yeah, with like sure. a couple yeah. of deep, you know, uh, Taoist or Confucius quotes mixed in with <laughs> Aristotle or Seneca, just just to appear smarter than I am. Nice, like that's yeah. important. It's actually, good. It's it's like brainwashing, yeah, you know, or smartwashing. I do brain, the sim- yeah. the uh, the system stuff, but this time I'm going to weave in a bit more story and personal narrative. Great. So yeah. I'm trying to just in- invest a bit more personal story in a lot of that stuff. Yep. Well, people Which love is, people, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's also harder for them to argue with. So I like that. <laughs> if people don't agree with your that story, they're just well. wrong. That suits yeah. you very yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So oh, that's, that's great. So that's what I'm like excited about at the minute. And then, yeah, so the podcast is sort of rolling along. You know, there's unanswered questions there about, um, you know, can we get more sponsorship? That would be really ideal for the podcast to have more sponsors on mm. um, because it's taking up sort of more and more time and I want to make it better. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think that the only way I can get better and really scale is with uh, some commercial support. Yeah. So and I, I feel like the number of uh, listens and downloads and stuff that you get on yeah. the reg, that's a pretty – and the fact that you've been able to build a really loyal audience that will – like come to a drink, so yeah. come to a live podcast and pay for a ticket. Yeah, like that to me is a really good indicator. Well, I think there's a, a, a vacuum or a need yes, in the market. You know? I agree, and I think there's not many other podcast communities doing it that well, where they yeah. can get people to listen, but also to come to things. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. So well, I think not in Melbourne that I'm aware of. Like, yeah, I could, I could name one other. I think yeah. that I'm really familiar with, but yeah, who's yeah. that? Uh, the Planet Broadcasting crew. Planet Broadcasting. What they call Planet Broadcasting. So yeah, they cool. have, I think they've got about eight or nine podcasts on their um, on their roster. Uh, and, of course, the, the big one, the name escapes me right now. Um, That's all right. But they're worth a look at because they do some really amazing work. Yep. And um, they, they're more in the arts space uh, and kind of creative um, stuff. Uh, but they have a really loyal following and they produce really high-quality work. But it's almost like... Um, part of their mission is to build a, a community and environment of yeah. uh, like of getting to know people who are also interested in similar things to you. So they run a live events and like they have a show at the comedy festival every year and stuff. Like oh, that. that's very cool. I think there's a key question to be answered in that and in what I'm doing right now is: Am I just making a podcast or am I creating a community? Ooh. And that they are they are different things. They're really different things. Um, yep. So. For me to just go full MVP and just do a podcast every week, that's easy. That, yes. okay, that's what I've kind of have done the whole way through. Yeah. That's yeah. the through line. Yeah. The question is, what's the value add? What do people love and what do yeah. they want more of? And where's the value? Like, where's the two-sided value yeah. exchange? Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we could do um, free events. I just don't believe people value things that are free anymore. I totally agree um, with that. It's yeah. the same yeah. argument around journalism and content. You yeah. Know, um, yeah. The podcast is free. I think that's pretty exceptional offering given how long it takes me to put it together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But, you know, you look at – it's it's sort of – we're at a time right now where I strongly believe that if you believe that something should be created, you have a responsibility to pay some of the way for that. Yes. Yeah. Um, like, you know, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, the yeah. uh, you, it's important to stay informed yep. and you, you should pay your way to – getting that information because, um, you know, knowledge is it's the key to everything. Mm, absolutely, mm. yeah. Interesting to hear that distinction between like doing a thing or building a community Yeah. because the, the thing, the podcast really should be an expression of that community if that's indeed the intent, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it, it is a fair question because I think a lot of people conflate the two. Yes. So yeah, they're very different. Yeah, and, and companies also do this, oh, we're building community. No, you're not. You're selling a product <laughs> to a lot of similar people. That's, yes, that's different totally. to building a community. And that's okay too, yeah. by the way. It's yeah. totally you fine. You should do that. Yeah. 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 But I think, you know, like when you – if you're in a situation where you're lucky enough to know your listeners mm. and your guests and mm. they, they want to know you beyond that one-hour mm. interaction, yeah. that's something like a community yeah. and that should be, you know – that should achieve its fullest potential if it can. Yes. That's agree. important. Yeah, 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 it totally is. It's actually something that I'm really uh, proud of what we do, like the things that we do at Zero in, yeah. in that space because we um, we genuinely do 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 community things yeah. and, and think about community. We just launched this thing in New Zealand. I'm really hoping that we can make it happen. It's not totally, totally not in my remit, not in my wheelhouse at all, but it would be really cool if we could do it in Australia as well, which is um, this thing called the XAP, which is – Zero's um, assistance program. So yeah. you know how lots of big corporates have an EAP. Yep. Now um, it's we've made it available for small business owners in <laughs> in New Zealand. Cyril thinks it's a great idea. Cyril's keen to get him. He's keen. He's keen as a bean. I like that. Um, but it's this program where, as a small business owner, uh, I can engage with a, a counselling service or a support service at no cost to me, and Zero essentially foots the bill. Oh, that's amazing. Yes, yeah, so it's amazing. So it's like available for every small business owner in New Zealand. Oh wow! Um, so to me, like, it kind of. Um, I wouldn't say my faith was missing, but it restores my faith in the fact that we're actually doing a really rich thing and that uh, we really value small business mm. and um, we acknowledge that it's a fundamental part of, um, of any economy. Sit. 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 For those listening at home, Cyril is staring at Mike. Now he's licking his hand. He's a bit bewildered tonight. He's been I think great. all the ethics of dogs questions have rattled, <laughs> rattled him substantially. He knew that he was on thin ice with yeah, me. Yeah. No, we're buddies. We're good buddies. Um, but yeah, I think uh, you're right. 
using that language if we're building a community is not always it's not always true. And look, not everyone needs to be building community, but I, I just think it's a fair question. Like, what what we should be about in life is asking the questions that make us uncomfortable. That's yeah. that's where the change and the growth is. Yeah. So we've got yeah. to do that. I did want to end by asking you, what are you reading? What are you listening to? And what are you enjoying at the moment that you could share? Yeah. Uh, so I just finished a book called Ripples from the Zambesi uh, by Ernesto Soroli, which is about um, economic development in uh, small communities and how it can be the flywheel for things like inclusion, community, et cetera, which is a really good read. Um, Were you reading that for you, um, like as well as for BLB a little bit? Yeah, it's kind of a mixture of the two things. It's, again, one of those spaces where – it's actually like it's got to do with Big Little Brush. It's got to do with Zero, and kind of just like out of interest. But um, the job that I have at Zero is looking after. Uh, and I don't want to talk about myself too much, but small business education. Um, and what's really interesting to me is that if we can help businesses to be uh, better and stick around for the long term, so you know, a small business in Australia will last probably. Uh, the stats are that it will last shorter than three years. So oh, really? by the end of year one, 40% of businesses will will uh, will fail. Yep. Um, uh, and by the end of year two, uh, sorry, year three rather, it's about 60%. So if we can help those businesses that would otherwise have failed because they, and sorry, the number one leading cause of a business failure is generally cash flow. So yep. the, stat, the, the research tells us that it's cash flow, not failure to sell, um, not failure to deliver, it's failure mm. to get paid. Yep. So how do we stop small businesses from not getting paid? How do we mm. get them paid more quickly? Um, if my job as an educator can help um, small businesses to be in business for longer, that means that more families have a better experience yeah. of their parents. Or Getting paid is uh, like literally more than half the battle, I feel, as a mate, contractor. A, it totally, totally is. And when I was a contractor, I had a customer that owed me about 30 grand uh, at once for about four months of work. Um, for this one customer and it meant that I couldn't pay my mortgage and that I had to like work with the bank to sort that out and it was like an accounting problem at there and they're a large business. Oh, I'll tell you the story another day. Yeah. Like total headache. But next catch up. Next catch up, <laughs> definitely. Over another glass Ethics of, of dogs part two. <laughs> <laughs> Did yeah. y'all get a dog? The dogging, yeah, totally. Yeah. The dogging. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I think that that uh, Ernesto Soroli book for me was about um, – uh, just the importance of small enterprise mm. and that it's not just people turning a buck. It's actually like families finding connection um, and, uh, you know, small communities going from not generating any export dollars to uh, being able to build schools and hospitals. And that's a pretty important thing. How exciting. Um, so that was a good book. Uh <laughs> Uh, this is kind of a book that I'm making myself read, but it's uh, it's called Serious Creativity by Edward de Bono. Cool. Um, so he's really well known for like the six thinking hats yep. Um, work. Yep. Uh, and this is about like structured creativity, which is mm. actually really interesting. Mm. Um, and then uh, an Albert Camus book, which is Albert Camus, sorry, uh, which is like a it's fiction. It's called The Last Man. But um, so you're reading. So you're reading three on the trot, or are you reading two currently? Just finished the Ernesto yep, Sorolli, yep, and yep, I've yep. got other two on the trot. Very exciting, yeah. my man. Yeah. And what about you? What are you reading? Good question. Um, I just finished Good Andrew Lee's book, uh, Random Misters, and he's a guest on the pod. So I'm nice. loving what I'm loving at the moment is spending time speaking to people who are writers as well and then mm. reading their books. Mm. There's nothing like reading a book of someone you've spent an hour with chatting. Yeah. Yeah. I even find like listening to a podcast of like a musician or a writer mm. and then engaging with their work, it's completely different when you've heard their voice and like the way they think. And yeah, that must be really interesting. And so the one I'm reading now is by Jonathan Haidt and it's called The Coddling of the American Mind. Ooh, uh, wow. And it's, it's very, very interesting. It's all about basically um, what are the limits of free speech on campus and, you know, to um, for people and um with controversial views to have their opinions heard. Interesting. So the Versus, Jordan Peterson school of thought. Yeah, I'd say he's like um, he kind of seems to be diet Jordan Peterson at this stage. Sure. Like he, yeah. you know, yeah. Jordan Peterson is he's like he's not messing around. He's not messing around. He's yeah. taking he's taking. He names. takes his views very seriously. Yeah. yeah. This guy Jonathan Haidt seems to be a little bit uh, less radical and more rational. Okay. Uh, I'd put him next to Sam Harris in that kind of sure, sort of yep. centristy kind of camp. Yep. Yep. Um, but yeah, very interesting ideas to grapple with around, and particularly pertinent here and in America. You know, what are we willing to hear, mm. and what do we feel the need to censor, and when are we? You know, are, are we creating um, 
too safer environments for our kids. Yeah, right. Intellectually. Where they don't struggle with like forming their yeah. own ideas and yeah. maybe a little bit of like intellectual adversity. Yeah. and There's things like safe spaces, trigger warnings, you know, these things that are actually bad for our kids to have so because they're, you know, softening yeah. them up rather yeah. than sort of helping them to develop that resilience and kind of critical well, yeah. thinking. The unfortunate truth, and you asked about YouTube earlier, yeah. is that, um, you know, my kids are growing up in an environment where media is just available to them. And, and unmoderated media is yep. available to them almost at their fingertips whenever they want. Um, and often outside of the sphere of like parental supervision, they're engaging with it at school or whatever. But soon enough, my kids, you know, will grow up and have mobile phones yeah. and yeah. I won't be able to control the media they consume. If they're not like, if they're not able to form their own hmm. um, views and haven't westled with stuff, I think it's a really important conversation. Yeah, now it is. Because like, what are they going to do? But, but, but the interesting thing in this with. is that these are college kids, so yeah, they're not even right. kids. Yeah, I mean, these right. are like bloody eighteen to twenty-two year olds. If, Grown if, ups, if, right? if they're and too, yeah, if they're yeah. too, um, don't have the resilience or yeah. ability to cope with difficult content, we're doing something wrong. Yeah, that's problematic. Um, yeah. That's really problematic. Yeah. We like yeah. our, it was never a thing. My culture or growing up that you'd be silenced if your opinions were not popular. Yes, or yeah. not mainstream. I think yeah. that's that's yeah. a sign of. Um, you know, a totalitarian style totally. approach, isn't it? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Are you talking about like in your home life or your school life or all Intellectually, everything. We, we're always encouraged to be very open-minded, read very broadly, yep. Um, yep. you know, examine all views and give them all kind of fair opportunity. Mm. Um, I think and, it's a really good approach. To, yeah, to I mean, yeah. it's important. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a focus for me now um, and I'm sort of – well immersed. That's a really good read, actually, so far. Mm. So that's good. Mm-hmm. What's called the coddling um, of the American mind. Coddling of the American mind. Something mm. like that. Mm. Yeah. Sounds good. So, Jolly, um, tell the people, where can they meet you in person? <laughs> Do you have any events coming up oh, soon or um, how can they connect with you online? No events coming up that I can think of off the top of my head, uh, but you'll find me on Instagram uh, and Twitter. What do you handle for that? Uh, Instagram, in fact, Instagram and Twitter is just Joel I Hannah, mm-hmm. I for Isaac, my middle name, my <laughs> son's first name. I right, for um, there's no I in team Hannah. Yeah, that's right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's no I except for mine. Um, Joel I Hannah on both of those things, but um, Big Little Brush is probably far more interesting than either of yep. my. Uh, What's the website media. for that? BigLittleBrush.org awesome. or just uh, at Big Little Brush on Instagram. Um, and yeah, like we are super stoked to be doing what we're doing and looking forward to a pretty interesting year of uh, really deep engagement with project partners and you know anyone that wants to come and get involved or you know tell us that we're wrong or whatever. Um, come and come and do that for sure. You you want people to tell you you're wrong? I'll Absolutely. do that. I'll do that when we finish. Absolutely, that's why I and came before. tonight, Mike. I came for the tea, <laughs> for the dog pats, and for the uh, tell me that I'm. Do you want to drop an email or not really? You know, you <laughs> yeah, I drop to, an email, yeah. Joel. Hannah at biglittlebrush.org. Awesome. You can reach me there. Awesome. Thanks Sweet. for coming to chat, mate. Right. Thanks for having me. Look forward to having you back soon. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player. Why not share the podcast with a friend? You could also leave us a five-star review in your podcast player. You may also want to join us for one of our regular live podcasts or to become a show sponsor. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com.au and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook.